time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. If you're a parent, you probably notice how often little kids ask that question of why whatever. Why does this happen? Why is the sky blue? Why does the sun come up? Why do people fart? I mean, there's so many questions that kids ask us. And sometimes adults get tired of those questions, which is sad because what's going on is a natural curiosity. And that natural curiosity sometimes goes away in life. That's what we want to talk about today as we talk about the Thrive Code. This is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast where you learn to thrive no matter what life is throwing your way. And right now, we're in the middle of a series about the Thrive Code. And I like to think of this in a couple of ways. One is a lot of times people have their personal code, the code you live by, or maybe it's even some code that's given to you by some organization where you have to live by this code. That's one way we can think about this. This is the, the code of how to thrive in your life. So that's one way of thinking about it. The other way to think about it is, you know, if you do much with technology, which right now, these days, we don't have much choice about that. You carry technology around in your pocket, probably on your wrist, and you certainly probably have it on your desk. So we're surrounded by technology, even going to get something out of your refrigerator these days or often doing anything, unlocking a door or ringing a doorbell, includes technology. And behind that technology is a code that's running everything. Way back in high school, we were talking about BASIC as, you know, this programming language. Now, let me just say, back in high school, I was so far back that what I was using was a TRS-80 Radio Shack computer, TRS-80. And, you know, the, th- the funny thing about that TRS-80 is we were all uh, loving the fact that it was a color version. That was the second iteration of Radio Shack's computer. And it actually was on a little like a TV screen. I mean, it wasn't even like today's thing. But we were using BASIC. And BASIC is a programming language. And so I very quickly went through what the class had to do. And the teacher said, okay, do whatever you want from now on. And so we programmed a game. My partner and I programmed a game that was like Space Invaders. And we created that little program game. And I remember as we were creating all this code in the background, you know, we, then we would hit the play and up would pop the graphics. And, and because of the code behind it, we were able to kind of move things around on the screen and and chase the little invaders that were coming our way. It was a fun little game, but it taught me a lot about the code that was behind it that somehow translated into what I was experiencing. Well, that's also this Thrive Code. It's the stuff we take in that we understand that allows us to thrive in life. And so we're up now. We've been several weeks. We started at the beginning of the year. And this week, I want to cover the Thrive Code of being curious. Now, back to that child. If you're a parent, you remember those moments when your child is just full of wonder. Everything is new. Everything is to be experienced. Everything is to be explored. Life is just teeming with curiosity. And then somewhere along the way, we lose that. 
or we might lose that. I'll make a confession. I am a very curious person, and I was very fortunate that my parents allowed me to chase my curiosities. And so the school teachers, much to their frustration, had a hard time with it because I wanted to explore what I wanted to explore, not necessarily what they wanted me to explore. And I remember my parents basically saying, look, you've got to follow directions in the classroom. (laughs) You've got to do what they tell you to do, but you're free to explore in, in life. And Sometimes the teacher would just kind of lose me, and I would be in the back of the room. She would tell my parents, looking through some edition of some encyclopedia that I'd pulled out to follow my interests. So my parents allowed me to explore the encyclopedias that we had, and they also explored, uh, allowed me to explore hobbies as they came up. One of the things that is true in my life is that when I get interested in something, I get intensely interested in it. And so they allow that intensity to be. They didn't ever fr- be frustrated when I would change hobbies. They wouldn't ever be frustrated when I wanted to try something new. They allowed me to explore that. And part of what that did for me is it nurtured my curiosity. And the thing about school is you go from having your curiosity discouraged along the way to encourage the further you go because you get to start chasing your own interest. And I kept going until there were no more degrees to be had as I went up the ladder. And by the end, I was allowed to explore what was most important to me at that time. Well, that curiosity has served me well. And I remember at one point, I was standing in front of a a class as I was teaching a graduate level course on therapy. And these uh, soon-to-be therapists were asking me uh, different questions about practice and, and Uh, different areas of being a therapist. And one of them said, what do you think is the most important trait of a good therapist? Almost immediately, I heard myself say, oh, curiosity. And it led to a discussion in the class because some people thought that maybe empathy would be, you know, where you're empathetically connected with your client. And I said, well, the only thing about that is that can be draining after a while. If after every person you're, you've been empathetically connected, you're, you're changing and losing your energy. And I said, by the way, the beginning of empathy is curiosity. Wanting to know what somebody feels and what they're experiencing, that's the beginning point. More than that, empathy sometimes means that you miss areas to ask about. Curiosity is where you want to know more and more about what's going on with this person. And what I realized in that moment is it's one of my core values. It's deep within my code that curiosity is important. I want you to just think about that in life. Humanity has progressed the way we have, been able to invent and adapt and change because of curiosity. We've expanded into the world because of curiosity. Animals will go only so far as their comfort will allow. When the temperatures are too cold or too hot, they avoid that area. Another species that's more adapted to that area might stay there, but they tend to stay in locales that are good for their own uh, setup, their own biological setup. Humans, on the other hand, are constantly going, I wonder what it would be like to be at the top of that mountain. 
There aren't many animals that choose to climb all the way to the highest top of a mountain where there's not even oxygen. Or I wonder what it would be like to be at the bottom of the ocean. Or what would it be like to be in the middle of the desert or in the middle of you know, the, the Antarctic or anywhere else. And yet humans do that on a regular basis. It's part of what's built into us. I want you to think about it in terms of relationships. I think a core piece of couples finding their way back to each other is often developing a curiosity. Curiosity, as I said, is a precursor for empathy, but more than that, a curiosity of going, I wonder what my spouse is thinking about. I wonder how my spouse is processing this allows for connection. Of exploring new ways of connecting with each other is even a curious pursuit in itself. Think about it in terms of learning. Now, there are certainly times when throughout our educational experience, we have to be in a class because that's a necessary class, that somebody has decided you have to take this class. But the ones that mattered to me throughout my life are the ones that I got to choose to take. The others were background that kept me even with my peers, but then there are these others that allowed me to think about things differently. In fact, thinking about things differently always comes from curiosity. So it's integral into our learning experience. And I would say it's even about change when people decide that they want to be better in some way. It's rooted in curiosity. What could I do that would improve my health or my diet or my psychology or my relationships or my success or anything else? When you're sitting there and suddenly a course comes in front of you or a book comes in front of you or an experience comes in front of you, it's your curiosity that steps you into that. I wonder what's there. Curiosity, it turns out, is exactly what brings us learning, what brings us change. Think about how many times I wonder has been pivotal for technology and for human development. I wonder what would make that light burn. I wonder you know, what would allow us to communicate with people somewhere else. I wonder what it would take to record a voice. I wonder what it would take to keep food cold or the house cold or the house hot or in so many ways. It's just it always starts with I wonder how we could do this. I wonder what it would take. That's all rooted in this curiosity. If you think about it, in many ways, if you think about it as our mind, as a muscle, curiosity is the exercise. Sometimes what I've noticed is our minds get out of shape. You know, we stop with the curiosity and our minds get out of shape and we get stuck in doing the same things over and over that haven't worked for a long time, but we don't know what else to do. We just stopped being curious about the other options. So if you think of your mind as a muscle, the exercise is curiosity. It is learning. It puts a new load on your mind. It has, your mind has to do something different than it's been doing. The work, the thought process has to be different. It also requires kind of different movements. It's kind of like yoga for the brain, right? I'll stretch it in ways that I haven't been stretched before. I'll move in ways that I haven't been moved before. So it's kind of like weightlifting and yoga all combined together for our mind to allow it to expand. It's the difference, really, between an active mind and a passive mind. 
A passive mind is just kind of stuck in the stream of life being swept along by whatever has been around. An active mind says, is this where I want to be? Do I want to move in a different direction? How do I want to be? Carol Dweck, some time ago, wrote a book about these two mindsets that we can have. She called it the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. The fixed mindset assumes that we are the way we are because that's how we were born. We're a natural athlete or a natural writer or a a natural at math or at science or whatever it else it, it, it might be. And many times we put kids in that trap. Oh, they're just natural at that. Natural musician, right? And that traps them into that because if that's naturally how you are, there are only two options you have to continue to try to to prove that you're a natural at it or to avoid proving you're not a natural at it, which is why so many kids drop out of athletics and out of music and out of other pursuits because they don't want to be proven that they didn't really have a natural talent for that. There's the other alternative. She calls it the growth mindset. The growth mindset understands what happens in our brain when we learn. Neurons connect. Neurons build networks. Neurons keep on growing throughout our life. We can learn new things. If I want to get better at something, the way to get better is to keep learning. The way to get better is to keep building the neuronal pathways in my brain. If I want to try something, I can practice it. This has become so true for me in in so many areas of my life. I can look back and go, when I was learning magic, you know, something would be awkward. And then I would practice it and my brain would figure it out and then it would work. And same with jujitsu, it would be awkward. And more recently, going back to rock climbing, you know, a move would feel awkward until I'd done it enough that my brain had what we might call muscle memory, but it's basically my brain knowing how to tell my muscles to move in a certain way. That's all based in curiosity, though. I wonder how I might be able to move in this direction. I wonder how I might be able to move in that direction. Part of what we have realized is this growth mindset is based in whether we are curious creatures or not. And curiosity varies from person to person. So part of what we can do is ask the question, how can I be more curious? How can I add to my curiosity? I believe that we all have a paradigm that we carry around with us, a way of understanding the world, and it is your paradigm or my paradigm. We have specific paradigms that we have built over time. Nobody else is going to see the world the way you do. Nobody else is going to understand the world the way you do. It's your individual paradigm. Along the way, things help us to have better paradigms when they challenge our current way of thinking and we realize that it doesn't completely work for us, that there's got to be something else to fill in the blanks of our paradigms, to fill in the mistakes of our paradigm. And so part of the way we can make our paradigms better, our way of understanding the world better, is to be curious about maybe where the limits are. What are we missing? How can we grow further? What can we do differently? True curiosity is when we are truly open to competing ideas in our mind. 
One of the things I've seen of where we're stuck in today's culture is that people aren't particularly open to the possibilities that other viewpoints have something to say. And instead, what they want to do, they believe they're being curious. And we talk about research, but what they're actually doing is reinforcing what they already believe by finding things that agree with them. That's not curiosity. That's trying to find reinforcement, reassurance that we are right. And what that misses is all the places there might be something else for us to learn from. Self-reinforcement, that's why we're stuck. That's why we're struggling uh, with each other because we believe we are correct and somebody else is wrong instead of asking the question, why do they see it that way? What might be the competing facts, the competing thoughts that could be there? doesn't mean we have to accept them. But it does mean we have to learn from them. Research shows that curious people are happier people. (laughs) When people lose their curiosity, one of the things that happens is they stop experiencing anything particularly new. And whatever new comes their way makes them uncomfortable. But when we're curious, we continue to expand. In fact, one of the areas that expands Uh, more than uh, you might think otherwise, is empathy. The more curious you are, the more empathetic you are. The research shows that when we're curious, we want to know why people feel the way they do when they experience what they experience. Even knowing what they experience is based in that curiosity. So how might you develop your curiosity? Just some thoughts of how we can do that. The first thing is to see boredom as a call to curiosity. Many times I hear people say, oh, I'm so bored. I think of boredom as just a way our mind is saying, hey, feed me. (laughs) I need something of interest. The danger is we relieve our boredom with tedium, with just kind of scrolling through our phones instead of engaging with some new idea, with some new possibility. Now, let me be clear. Social media is on a regular basis giving us alternate viewpoints to think about. Not to accept, but to think about and see how we can interact with them. So think of boredom as a call to curiosity. What could I read that would be of interest? What could I read that would expand my understanding? What can I try, a new experience that I can try? The second thing is to allow yourself to question. Why do I believe what I believe? Why does that person believe what they believe? Why is the world the way it is? Why does it have to be that way? What could change? Go back to that moment as a child when you ask a question, why is it? Question walks us into curiosity. In fact, question is the center point of curiosity unless we're questioning Not to learn, but to tell. These days I see a lot of people who say, oh, I question people, but they're not questioning to learn from them. They're questioning to challenge them, to get them to see it their way. Third thing is to do different things. Try out new experiences, new restaurants, new books, new magazines, new places to travel, new hobbies, new friends. There's so many ways that we can 
learn new things right in our immediate world just by trying different things and to recognize that whenever you do something you haven't done before, it's going to be accompanied by some fear. had a client who told me he was a little surprised when I said that I had uh, gone to the uh, new place to rock climb and was a little nervous about that, a little nervous of going in. He said, I didn't think you would feel that. And I said, well, everybody feels fear. The real question is whether we're going to experience something new regardless of the fear. Not in spite of it, but regardless of feeling the fear of deciding to go anyway. Anything new is going to have a little bit of discomfort to us. That discomfort is going to be experienced as some fear. So be willing to try new things and at the same time to recognize that you could be a little uncomfortable while you're doing it and that is okay. One of the, thing, the things that happens in adult as we become more confident in uh, some different areas of life is that we grow less comfortable being uncomfortable. And so your task is to become more comfortable in the experience of discomfort when you're experiencing something new to see what else is possible. The fourth thing is to give yourself permission to explore, to adapt, and to change. Just give yourself permission. It's okay to not know what to do. It's okay to try something different. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Give yourself permission to ask the questions. And number five, become an explorer and experimenter in your own life. So many times I hear people who don't want to make a mistake that they end up not doing anything different. There's nothing wrong with the mistake if we're doing experiments. In fact, you only have to call it a mistake. Just call it an experiment. I'm going to experiment with some different exercise, or I'm going to experience with eating different, di- differently. I'm going to experiment with trying a new hobby. I was talking with somebody the other day, and I suggested trying out a new hobby, and the person said, but what if I don't like that hobby? And I said, then you try out another one. There's nothing wrong with that. I've got a series of hobbies in my past that I still have interest in, but I don't necessarily pursue anymore. And that's okay. It's not a failure. I just decided not to keep pursuing something. And sometimes we feel like we're making the penultimate decision in every small change. One time, my wife and I were talking about somebody who was talking about a meal that they had. And they're very upset about having to eat at this one restaurant instead of another restaurant. And, and we both said, you know, it's kind of like the person thought this was the last meal ever. And I think we sometimes think about that in life. You know, what if I go somewhere and I don't like the food? It's okay. There's another meal tomorrow. In fact, for most people, there's another three meals tomorrow, at least two meals tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe you're experimenting with intermittent fasting, and it might not be tomorrow. It might be the next day. But that's just because there's another experiment going on, right? There's always other opportunities. We can experiment a different way. If something's not working, we can change it. In fact, isn't that the basis of how we grow and change? If something's not working, let's be curious enough to try something different, to try a better way, to try something that will bring you more thriving into your life. This is Lee Balkin wishing you the best as you build your thriving life. 
been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at ThrivologyMagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it.